We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. Would you put your hands together and welcome my friend, Pastor James Maroney. Well, let's clap our hands to Jesus right now. If you love what you feel in the house of the Lord. I am so happy that uh, my family and I are at Truth Chapel. And I just need you to know, this is not my first time at Truth Chapel. I was at Truth Chapel uh, two buildings ago. It was two buildings ago. And I'm going to tell you something. You need to give yourself a great big hand because of what God has been doing for True Chapel. God has been blessing this church. I am so excited to be here. I am uh, very, very happy to have my wife. She's back there somewhere. That I see her. My beautiful wife and my two boys, Colin and Connor. There's Connor. And uh, I'm so glad that they're here with me. Uh, tonight, we just got back from vacation, as Pastor Chavis said, and uh, Florida, so I have vacation brain. Uh, my wife got everybody's tan, and uh, I gave mine up. I'm such, a, I'm such a giving husband, I gave my tan to her, and all my freckles are holding hands. That's what's happening. So, But we are so excited to be here. And uh, we are on our way back home. We're going to be home tomorrow, and then we turn around and go to Indiana camp, so we're excited about that. But I'm so blessed to be here. The Chavises, what a dynamic family. Give your pastor and uh, first lady and this family a great big hand. We love, love them very much. We love them, and we have known them for a few minutes, and uh, we are thankful they have preached in uh, Evansville uh, numerous times, and we are, I feel so close to Pastor Chavis. We've known each other for a very long time. We've been very close friends, but uh, it, it, there's nothing like going through a building uh, program together, and so that's what we did. We called each other and cried on each other's shoulder through this mess, but God, how many's glad God bless his mess? Come on now. And I just got to say this before I go any further. Sophie and Lily, who are now members of Abundant Faith Church, I'm so glad to see you all here tonight. Give them a great big hand. <laughs> and I just got to say for the record, uh, pretend tonight like you've never heard this message before. You know right where to amen. Praise God. All right. If you have your Bibles, I want to get right into the Word of God. The book of Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse number 24. Romans chapter number 8. I'm just going to read two verses in your hearing. I do want to say once again, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. Um, I did pray through vacation about what we were going to be talking about tonight. And I prayed for the will of God concerning this church specifically. And uh, had all kinds of stuff that I could have preached or could have taught that I think, yeah, you, you might have enjoyed it. But, but I'm really not interested in that. I'm interested in what God has to say to this body.
body of believers and to everyone in this place tonight. So I believe God and His Word knows right where we're living. Romans chapter 8 and verse 24. The Bible says, for we are saved by hope. Everybody say hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. I want to talk to you with the help of the Lord for the next few moments tonight from this thought, from coping to hoping. From coping to hoping. Would you lift your hands and lift your voice and everybody help me pray. Would you, would you help me pray right now? Let's ask God to speak to us through His Word right now. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the power of your Spirit. God, I thank you because you are so amazing. Lord, you are in this sanctuary right now. God, we don't need anything extra. We don't need any fluff, any frills. What we need is for you to talk to us tonight. And I pray, God, you would just do that and just talk to some hearts in this house in Jesus' name. And everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. One more time, clap your hands to the Lord before you're seated. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you for standing. God bless you. Now, when I preach or when I teach, I like to try to at least act like I know what I'm talking about. And uh, so at least one of these words, I, I really, I went in and I looked up the definition. I wanted to know the exact definition of this word. And so I looked up the word cope, to cope. To cope exactly by definition means to deal effectively with something difficult. Coping means to deal effectively with something difficult. But we often view coping really today in a less favorable light than that. Mostly those who cope do so wondering if they're really effective in coping or dealing with anything at all. In fact, if you're like me, when I'm coping, I just kind of feel like I'm just getting by. Anybody, anybody believe that right now? Where are my real people? I'm going to do it like I do at home. Isn't that right? Where are my real people at? Because I just want to talk to the real people tonight. Most time when I'm coping, I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. I'm not dealing effectively with anything at all. And I've come to realize that I do not believe that the Lord just wants His people to cope. But I believe that God wants His people to conquer. And, and, and to conquer, you have to have hope. You cannot conquer anything unless you have hope. And I've come to tell you this one message. If you don't get anything else that I say tonight, I want you to understand this. The best way to conquer any crisis in your life is to cling to God and to cling to God's people. That's all, that's all I'm going to talk about. That's all that I could, I could, you can leave right now and there's the message. There's the word. If you want to make it through anything in life, you don't turn to drugs. You don't turn to alcohol. You don't turn to addiction. You don't turn to anything or anybody else except for God and God's people. That alone is going to bring hope into your life. I intend to show you a story in the Bible where this played out 
so wonderfully. But, but first, let me just talk about coping a little bit. Because I believe that if not all of us these days, we are, if we'll all admit it, we're all kind of attacked by fear on a daily basis. We're scared to do anything anymore. Scared to go to school. Scared to go to the gas station. Because of what that's going to mean, right? And, and, I, and I, I believe that if given the chance, when we think about the future of this country, I honestly believe that a lot of people are filled with fear and anxiety simply by thinking about that. Just thinking about how in the world are we going to cope with the crisis? How are we going to... Every single day is a brand new crisis. Every single day is a brand new situation. And we feel that the only way to deal with the crisis in our lives is to cope. And one day you wake up and you hear, we're out of baby formula. And one day you wake up, you hear, gas is going to be $6 a gallon. And I'm going to tell you what we do in this country. We live from crisis to crisis. But I do not believe that that is the will of God for God's people. I do not believe that we are to live from crisis to crisis. I believe that when we go through a crisis, we look to conquer that crisis. Come on, somebody, come on. The world has its ways of dealing with crisis. They go by way of addiction, by way of erratic behavior. That's how they deal with their crisis, but not God's people. In fact, one of the best stories in the Bible to illustrate what it is that I'm talking to you about tonight is in Nehemiah chapter 4. And we see that Nehemiah conquered a crisis that was presented unto him. God laid a burden in his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that had been torn down and burned with fire. And in a response to prayer to God, God granted him favor with the king. Everybody say favor. Can I tell you that when you live for God, you will have favor. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not talking about uh, parking lot favor. People, people, uh, we, we, we do that. We get that good parking spot. You know what I, you, you know the one, the one by the door. And, and then we say, oh, look at there, it's the favor of God. No, no, no. That, yeah, won't he do it? That is not the favor of God. I told our church, I said, if that's, if that's what I would go by, then I'm sunk because I never get a good parking spot. It's as if God is up there saying, look, bud, you need to lose about 50 pounds. I'm going to make sure that you got the last parking spot on the lot. Come on, where are my real people at? We're not talking about that kind of favor. We're not talking about the kind of favor where, oh, God, is so, he's so uh, uh, impressed by me that, that I, I get, you know, whatever it is that's last of in the store, I, I'm the one that gets it. No, 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 I'm not talking about that kind of favor. I'm talking about the kind of favor where God hears your plea and God hears your cry and he decides I'm going to come down and touch that situation because I know you have a mind to work. Come on, somebody. God has not given you the best parking spot. That's not God's favor. That's just you getting lucky. But when it comes to my crisis, when it comes to my situation, this is when I need the favor of God in my life. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. I did not come to church tonight to get any other kind of favor but to get God to answer the prayer that I need in my crisis. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm here. And the Bible tells us that when God granted Nehemiah favor, he didn't just grant him favor with the king. 
but he gave him favor with God's people. Why? Because Nehemiah needed two things to get the job done. He needed the favor of God and he needed the unity of the people. You don't build a church with just one of those. You don't maintain a church with just one of those. I'm fixing to let y'all know just how important that you are to the work that's going on right here in True Chapel. Because when I come to church, I come to experience God. But I can't do this work by myself. You can't do this work by yourself. You've got to have God's people working alongside you. And the best way for us to understand is to understand each other. To know that if you're here, and I'm here, and neither of us are perfect, we will get the job done. We will get the job done. I feel the Holy Ghost. See, now, now, now in Nehemiah's time, not all were in favor of the work. There were those that were not in favor of the work. There were those that even before anything got started, Sanballat started talking about the work. And he made sure that they heard him talk. They were very vocal about it. That sets the stage for this passage. Again, the best way to conquer crisis is to cling to God and to cling to his people. I just want to pause right here and, and chase this rabbit for a minute. You are not meant to do life on your own. Because there will be an enemy out there that will say whatever and do whatever to turn you away from the work. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. To turn you away from the work of God that he has purposed in your life. What I'm telling you is I need you. And you need me. And we both need God. And what I'm telling you is, I don't care how many times that you have made a mistake. I don't care how many times that you have messed up. I've come to tell you that God knows your value and the church knows your value. Come on, somebody. We have to have God and each other. I feel something going to break for True Chapel tonight. Come on now. I'm telling you, God gave me this word not just for my church and not just for True Chapel, but God gave me this word for our entire movement because we cannot do this thing alone. But see, that's the enemy's job. The enemy wants you to think that you are alone. The devil wants you to think, listen to me, the devil wants you to think that everybody's against you. That nobody, no, listen, the enemy is a master at letting you know that he ain't the only one that's against you. He wants you to believe that everybody else is against you and everybody's gunning for you and nobody wants to see you succeed but I've come to tell you that I'm not going to listen to the enemy's mockery any longer. You can mock me but that's going to make me live for God stronger. You can... You could try to deceive me, but that's going to make me live for God harder. Now listen, Sambalet said, what is 
this feeble bunch of Jews trying to do? Are they really going to rebuild the wall and offer sacrifices all in one day? And then they said, do they think that they can make something out of scorched stones? Can I tell you the problem with a lot of folks in church today? Is that we want everything so beautiful, so shiny, so pristine, that we don't believe God can work with anything but that. But I tell you that I serve a God that can build a wall with scorched stones. I believe in a God that can build a defense with stones that everybody else throws over into a pile. I've come to tell you that God is a master at making something out of nothing. God is a master at making something out of nothing. Come on, somebody ought to just praise him right now. Somebody needs to just glorify him right now. Come on, you're here and you were nothing, but God made you something. Come on, you connected to God. You connected to God's people. Oh, I wish somebody would just praise him for a second. Come on, somebody praise him for a second. Hallelujah. Then, then, then his cousin chimed in. <laughs> A cousin said, he started criticizing the work. He said, you know what? If, if, they, if they even build this wall up again, a small fox will come up and tear it down. You, you know what I have learned in living for God? There, there are always people that will always be ready to comment in your time of crisis, but they will not commit to walk with you through your crisis. There will always be people to point the finger and comment, and you know who they are. They're the ones that every time you go through something and you call them up and talk to them, they're the ones that say, well, let me tell you what you need to do. Ain't been through nothing, ain't done nothing, and they're saying, let me tell you what you need to do. And we listen, let me tell you something. If I have a crisis in my life, I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go to the man of God, and I'm going to go to the people of God. I'm not taking it to Facebook. It, it blows my mind. People got a problem in their life, and they jump on Facebook because they want a thousand people to tell them what they should do. Let me, let, let me tell you something I learned a long time ago. If you need help, you do not go to the village idiot for help. And the village idiot is always the one that responds first. Well, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. They none of them responsible for your soul. Let me tell you something, folks. You need to take it to God. You need to take it to prayer. You need to take it to the man of God. You need to take it to the elders of the church. You need to bring it to the body. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. God wants to help somebody in True Chapel. We, 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 we have to get to a place in our lives where we stop depending on society to define what we're going through. Nobody knows like you and God. Nobody knows. They will say, people will say anything but do nothing to solve the problem. <laughs> they'll point that accusing finger but will not lift the finger to help me pray not lift the finger I've got pastor friends and pastor Chavis does too have 
pastor friends that have been through some serious stuff. And when we hear about what they go through, we, we, we seriously go to prayer with them over it. We don't just jump in and tell them what they need to do. And don't think that people in leadership and people in authority don't go through anything. Because we do, we do go through things. That's what makes this relationship so beautiful. Is when you come and talk to your pastor, you need to know he's been through some things. Come on, somebody. He, he's been through some things. And, and it matters when you know that somebody that says they're going to pray with you and fast with you will do just that. I love what Nehemiah did, all the accusation, all the accusing, all the, all the hubbub. And Nehemiah says, so... We, we, we rebuilt the wall until it reached half of its height. Now, this is what's amazing. They build the, rebuild the wall, and it gets half of its height. So that tells me that the enemy's not only going to try to talk you out of what God has appointed you to do at the beginning of your walk, but he's going to do it also in the middle of your walk, in fact, he's going to do it all the way through until the work is completed. Why? Because he wants you to quit. He wants you to give up. Can I tell you, God is not going to give up on you. If anybody's going to give up, you're going to give up on God. But I'm not going to listen to the mockers. And I'm not going to listen to the people that talk about us and talk about the church. And listen, we are a church filled with imperfect people. And I'm going to tell you when we show up, we show up because we know that only God and only God's people will carry us through to the very end. I don't, I don't have, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm going to tell you, I don't, I, don't have, uh, I don't have much time whatsoever for people that all they want to do is sit around and criticize what somebody's trying to do for the kingdom of God. And no, no matter what they have been through, okay? You need to understand that God is not finished with anybody in this place. You, you may have said even this last week, I'm done. I'm finished. I know that people depend on me. I know I got a spot. I know I got a position. I got this, I got that, but I can't take anymore. I can't take anymore. I don't know God. There's no way God can use me. My mental condition, I'm filled with fear and depression and anxiety. Well, I got news for you. There's a lot of people filled with fear and depression and anxiety. What that tells me is that I really need Jesus more than I've ever needed him. But understand something with me. The Bible says that it took God, God created everything, okay? And on the seventh day, the Bible says God rested. Well, that word rested, that word doesn't mean that he went to sleep. It doesn't mean that he took a nap. The Bible says that God rested from all of what he had created. The, the, exact, uh, the exact text is he, from all that he created to make. What that means is that on the seventh day, God stopped creating. So you need to understand something. God is not anymore in the business of creating people or creating things. He has stopped creating. There's no more new things out there. No matter what you see at Walmart. God, God has, where are my real people at? <laughs> no matter what you see at Walmart, God has stopped creating. But here's what I have learned. God has stopped creating, but God has not stopped working. So that tells me that his creating days are done. 
What's done is done. What's past is past. When you are halfway building that wall and you get discouraged and you don't think you can take another step, you don't need to look at where you are right there at that moment and get depressed and get filled with anxiety and fear. You need to turn around and look back at how far you have come. Come on, somebody. I believe somebody in here, you're going to receive that revelation in the word tonight. Don't look at where you are now. It may be bleak. You're not finished, but God's not finished. Don't look at where you are now. Look at how far you have come. I used to be. I once was, but I'm not that any longer. Come on, somebody. I used to be addicted to drugs. And I may not be finished with my wall yet, but with the help of God and the help of God's people, I'm going to finish this work. Come on, put your hands together. Put your hands together. God is going to help you finish the work. I know. I know. I'm telling you, I feel something so strong in the Holy Ghost. Just let let, let me bring a word to somebody right now. You need to let God finish what he has begun in you. Stop listening to all the other voices in your head. You know the best way to defeat mockery is to keep coming to church. Best way to defeat mockery is to keep worshiping God. Devil tells you because of what you did last week, what you did last month, or what you thought about, the thoughts you had when you were driving to church. You need to understand something. Everybody in this place, God knows your frame. The Bible says he knows we are but dust. And it is the job of the enemy to get you so dysfunctional and get you off of your game because he knows that if you stop that the work right here with you stops but God I believe has sent me here tonight to tell you now is not the time to stop now is not the time to give up. I don't care what the enemy has said to you. I don't care what people that call themselves your friends have said to you. You need to understand God is not finished with you yet. There's an old song. There's an old song when we were kids. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient. I'm not going to sing it because I write my own music these days. I make our music people nervous. How loving and patient he must be. He still works. Listen, if it only took him a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars, how long do you think it's going to take him to bring you out of your crisis? I'm telling you, he could do it right now. Nehemiah said, they were, they were talking about us. They were saying, nevertheless, he said, we made prayer unto our God. Nevertheless. Some of y'all need to get into the nevertheless walk with God. Some of you need to get into that place where it's nevertheless. Pastor, I didn't feel like coming tonight, but nevertheless. 
I, I didn't feel like when I got up this morning, I didn't feel like coming, but nevertheless, I showed up. Come on. Nevertheless, and the Bible says that Nehemiah strengthened, watch, the families. He put them, he set the families together, and he said, listen, here's what we are to do. There is, we've got to build this wall as a team, as a body, as a people, and as a family. And it starts with this wall. Why? Because the wall is what was broken down. The wall was rubbish. Here's what I've learned. There's revival in rubbish, y'all. Do y'all know that? There's revival in rubbish. There's revival in rubbish. Backsliders coming back to God. If somebody out there comes back to God and they come in here, I want them to know that they're among friends. They have not come into a church where everybody's dotting every I and crossing every T. Come on, some of us, some of us just need to praise God because we're not as jacked up as we used to be. Come on now. I'm telling you that it is okay to know that there is fear and anxiety that is attacking your life. But it is not okay to quit because of that fact. I'm going to tell you what you do. Nevertheless, we go to God in prayer. Nevertheless, I get my family. And if my family's not living for God, I get with this family because this family's living for God. And we're doing our best. Come on, somebody clap your hands right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on now. I need to tell somebody, do not listen. You know why they were getting discouraged in the work? Because they were hearing what the enemy was saying and they were repeating it back to themselves in their head. So they actually became the enemy's messenger. You come into the house of God and you can speak negativity and and criticism so much that you actually become a messenger of the enemy. That, that, That is exactly what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to get you to believe that you're not going to make it. It's not going to work. Wherever they turn, they're going to attack us. Can I tell you something? If you want to be discouraged, just repeat what the enemy has said to you over the years over and over and over again in your head. Just continue to repeat it. And and you'll, you'll sound like a broken record telling everything. Spreading discouragement, everything the enemy has told you, and and I've I've got this, I've got this thing. I'm not I'm, a, I'm not I'm not pastor here. I'm not. I, f- I feel like I'm at home. I feel like it's a good good spirit, and and I feel like that I'm preaching at AFC. But 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 I want to tell you something. If all you do is hear the enemy's voice all the time, you may just be living a little bit too close to the enemy. If all you hear, come on now, is that all right? If you if you If all you hear is the enemy's voice all day, every day, you are living way too close to the enemy. God's trying to encourage you, but you can't. His voice is being drowned out by the voice of the enemy that's constantly speaking to you. My God. They they reached a place where the crisis was conquering them. They were down and out. So we can see That in the middle of a crisis, it really matters who you listen to. (laughs) In the middle of a crisis, it matters who you walk with in the trying times of your life. And I don't know because I don't go to church here. 
And your pastor and I don't get on the phone and talk about everybody in the church. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I have a feeling that there's somebody here tonight, perhaps more than one, that you feel all alone walking in the journey you're walking on right now. But you need to know that there is somebody else in this building that feels the exact same way. You know what Nehemiah really was working to rebuild? Nehemiah was not just working to rebuild a wall. Because the wall, now watch me here, the wall was just the reason to get together and come together. Now I know the wall needed to be rebuilt, but why Nehemiah? Why him? Why did it come to him? He had a love and a passion for his people. But instead of just working to rebuild the wall, he rebuilt families. He rebuilt brothers and sisters. He re Watch, they rebuilt homes. He said, therefore said I in the lower places, behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people, watch, after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. You know what? In my head, I see moms, dads, and children with weapons in their hands. Why? Because we're fighting together as a family. Now watch. He said, I, and I looked and I rose up and I said to the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Watch. Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is what? Great and terrible. He's saying, remember God because he's better than they are. Come on, somebody. Remember God because he's stronger than they are. Now, I love this part. This is, this is probably my favorite part, y'all. <laughs> and fight for your brethren. And fight for your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. My friend, listen to me. If you can't get stirred up fighting for your brethren, your wives, your sons, your daughters, and your houses, then you don't have much fight left. But I'm going to tell you, you can touch me all day long, but you touch my kids. Come on, somebody. You touch my wife. Come on now. And if we bleed that into the church, you talk about me all day long, but don't you talk about my church family. Come on now. Don't you talk about my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Come on. Don't you talk about True Chapel. Don't you talk about a Mother Faith Church. You hear that? That's a trumpet. And we are being called to fight for each other. We're not just rebuilding a wall. We are rebuilding unity. We are rebuilding unity in the church. We are rebuilding unity in revival. And to have revival, you have to have unity. I'm getting ready to close. I need you just to, everybody stand with me right now. That'll help me. That'll help me. I feel like that in this day and this hour that we're living in, families should not fight one another. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Families should not fight one another. We have an enemy out there that it is his job. The Bible says the serpent was more subtle than any creature on the earth. And, and what is the one thing he tried to do? He, he went to Eve and he 
He beguiled her, the Bible says. And now remember, God was done creating, all right? So he began to talk to Eve in a way that made her feel like she was less than. She wasn't enough. Here's how we know that. Because he said to her, has God said that you can't eat of this tree? He's only saying that because he knows, God, God knows that he's already created you. You're no different than me and all the other creeping things. And you're No, no, no. But he knows that if you eat of this tree that you will watch, that you will be created as something else and you shall become as gods. Take that next step. When God cursed the serpent, he said, you're going to go down on your belly into the dirt, into the dust, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. All the days of your life, you're going to eat dust. God knows our frame. He knows we are dust. It's the devil's job to try to eat us. That's his, that's his curse. That's his curse. But I also know that if somebody bites the dust, that means they're not victorious. We know that Satan will never rule God's people. Here's what the devil knows. The devil is cursed for all of eternity. Watch. Listen. To never know victory in his life. He ain't never going to know victory. Never. Never. He is going to lose. We, however, are promised victory if we cling to God and cling to each other. And this is why. This is why that the devil doesn't want God's people experiencing victory. He wants us to continue. I don't know how it is with you, but when I feel like I'm coping, I feel like that I'm, I'm hanging on, right? But not just with one hand. One hand's gone, Pastor Chavis. My thumb's popped off. This finger, this finger, this finger. I'm literally hanging on with my pinky fingernail. Anybody know that's the way you feel when you're coping? But God wants us to have hope. We are saved. Let me tell you how, how important hope is. The Bible says we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. Because if you can see it, if it's right there in front of you, nothing to hope for. But it's like the old song said, I have hope when trouble comes my way. I have hope now that Jesus has come to stay. Come on now. I have hope. Oh yeah. When things are not well with me, I have hope. My, 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 my. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I have hope. It's a beautiful hope that sets me free. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do right now. I'm not just going to give a regular altar call. I know it's midweek. I know it's Bible study. It doesn't matter to God. It doesn't matter to me. Somebody's going to leave this place tonight delivered in Jesus' name. 
want everybody to lift their hands and close their eyes and just begin to worship God right now. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.